Yes, so the uh, the Stanley Cup's almost almost set. I'm going with my hot take, Islanders all the way to the top, but we'll see. Um, regardless, whether it's the Lightning against the Stars or the Islanders against the Stars should be a very, very compelling Stanley Cup Finals. We're going to move our way over to the other playoff ensuing sport, or one of them, um, NBA. First, there is some somewhat breaking news out of the NBA. They've released the all-NBA teams this year, so we'll give you guys that rundown here first. The third team at the guard position, they got Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook forward. They have Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler, and center is Rudy Gobert. Second team at the guards, they've got Damian Lillard and Chris Paul. Forwards, they got Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. And at center, they have Nikola Jokic or Jokic. And the first team at the guards, they got Luka Doncic and James Harden. At the forwards, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then at center, Anthony Davis. So initial reaction to the All-NBA teams, Jan. I, you know, apart from one personal you know, preference. I like them. I think it's fair. I think all of those are fair, you know, especially when you consider regular season. I, of course, Pascal Siakam over Jason Tatum makes me mad, but I think you could argue that. So I think all of those are great, especially the first team. All of those guys deserve to be there. Dame Lillard, obviously second team at the very least. Yeah, I like it. What about you? I agree. Yeah, I think it's pretty, it's pretty solid. Some notable people not on there: Joel Embiid, nowhere yeah. to be seen; Paul George, and I, I think that I think these are worthy. Like I, I, I think it's the right decision to probably not. You know, honestly, Joel Embiid probably is the third team over Rudy Gobert, but I don't. I kind of like Gobert getting it because it's like you know, Embiid, you didn't really deserve it. Like you probably were third team, but your effort didn't didn't match it. Right. I love the- Chris Paul getting second team, also. Right. I mean. Yeah, I Joel Sixers fans, you're lucky that one player made it into any of these teams after this season. I mean, I know that playoffs don't mean for everything, but you're lucky that Ben Simmons made it in there. So let's all calm down there. And I agree. I think, again, just like with Siakam and Tatum, I'm not saying that Gobert was the definitive choice over Joel Embiid, but you could argue it. And therefore, I I think it's fair. So I, I am there for it. Obviously... Should Rudy get any awards after causing the coronavirus like lockdown? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of surprising. I was just like, oh, remember when he like touched all the mics and like caused hey, it? <laughs> no, he didn't he didn't mean to, right? No Donovan uh, Mitchell, no Devin Booker, no Jamal Murray. But of course, all those guys have kind of played. I mean, if Jamal Murray had played all year like he was playing right now, we'd, right? And Devin Booker, if he had played the bubble. It would, it would have been different, but for sure. Congratulations to all of those players. All well-deserved, all NBA selections for those guys. Now on to the action on the court. Wow, wow, wow. What a night in the NBA last night. The Denver Nuggets make history with a 104-89 win over the Clippers, overcoming a 3-1 deficit in their second consecutive playoff series, the first time that's ever been done, the first time a team's ever come back 3-1 in multiple series in the playoffs in general, let alone consecutively. You know, we can talk about what went wrong for L.A., you know, or how the Nuggets pulled this off. You know, I think the big thing for L.A. really is just time. You know, the big three, LeBron, Bosh, and them, they didn't do it in their first season. When Shaq joined Wade, they didn't do it in their first season. The only team I can really think of 
that all came together and did it in their first season was I suppose you I suppose you could say Durant joining the, the Warriors, but I don't really include that one because the Warriors were already kind of a cohesive unit, and then they just added one of the best players. Uh, but the Celtics back in 2007, 2008, when they got Ray Allen and KG, and in their first season they were able to to get it done. But that's a tough thing to do, and I think the Clippers are fine. Like I don't think there's a lot of people who are like, well, this is the biggest failure of like all time. I'm like, well, I mean, first off, they've never been to the Western Conference Finals, so the bar, while albeit is being set low, it's not like they have a really high bar to reach. Um, but secondly, I just think this team, the more time they spend together, will get better. At the end of the day, though, it was about the two star duos for both these teams. You know, PG has struggled in the playoffs, kind of found his game in this series, and Leonard's been great most most of the playoffs. But the clutch Kawhi that, you know, who could not be stopped last year for Toronto vanished. PG and Kawhi combined for 24 points on 10 of 38 shooting last night. Jamal Murray had 40 points himself. I mean, he almost doubled their point total by himself. While Niccolo had 16 points, 22 boards, 13 dimes. He got his uh, triple-double in the third quarter, which is the like earliest recorded triple-double in a Game 7 all-time, which is an incredible feat. I, the guy's just been – I mean, both of them have just been on a tear. And, and as I mentioned before, just two of the most creative, unique players that – is in, that are in the NBA right now, and they're going to give they're going to give the Lakers a lot of trouble. I think the Lakers have a lot more size than the Clippers, so I think Jokic, you know, doesn't benefit there. Where you know he's going up against a guy like Montrez Harrell, who's definitely undersized at the center position. Now he's got Anthony Davis, he's got JaVel McGee, he's got Dwight Howard, so he's got some bigger bodies to go up against. But I don't really think the Lakers have anyone that that can match up with Jamal. Rondo's going to have to play a lot better, but Rondo's older. Caruso's not going to be able to stay in front of that guy. So I think the Nuggets are going to are going to give the Lakers a run for their money. And if you're, you know, still not believing in the Nuggets, then I don't I mean, what more do you want these people to, these guys to do? But I'm going to pick the Lakers. I think the Lakers will beat them four games to two. But excited for that one. And you know, well done to the Nuggets. I think it's it's a credit to to I mean, this is a, a unit and a team that's been together for a few years and really knows one another, knows how each other plays. And, and that was part of what the Clippers were missing. You know, the Clippers don't have that relationship of playing several seasons together. And and it showed last night. And congratulations to the Nuggets. I, I mean, when they were down 3-1, I did not see them coming back. Yeah, I mean, nothing more to say. Just a historic day in, in, in basketball, especially we're so used to over the last couple of years. Like, doesn't matter – what the scores are, it's going to be the Golden Knights and the Cavs. That's just like what it's going to be. Doesn't matter like if other p- teams are playing well. Doesn't matter if they're playing poorly. You know, it's going to be the Golden Knights versus the Cavs. And that's just like what's going to be. The, the Warriors, you mean? The Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah, the Golden, Golden State. Golden State. I get Golden you. State. Yeah, yeah, you got me. You got me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Nuggets have balled out. They've earned the respect of the entire league. They are a contender for the finals, regardless of what you want to say about the Lakers. I mean, the one thing that I'll say about the Lakers is like they beat the Rockets without their bigs. So I think that it's going to be really interesting to see just how much of an impact those bigs can have because they won the small ball game against the Rockets with LeBron and AD and with Caruso and Rondo going around like they needed to with a little added Kuzma. But I think 
you know, the bigs coming back in the game, they're a factor again. We'll see how they match it up against Jokic. They're going to be offensive battles for sure. I just, yeah, I agree. I think I take the Lakers in six is what I'm taking them in. I, I just think, unlike Kawhi and PG-13, I don't think LeBron will let the games go that way. We've seen we've seen it happen already, this playoffs. LeBron will carry his team when they need it. They'll lose some games, don't get me wrong. The Nuggets will have some wins, but I just don't see LeBron James. If LeBron James gets to a seven, you're not going to see a Kawhi Leonard performance from him. That's the thing. Like, you want to say yeah. all you want about about, you know, this team needs to come together, you know, like, you know, first year, it's really hard, but I just, they performed so poor. It wasn't even that they weren't working together. Like individually, they both performed under, underperformed like this, you know, you know, in this last game. And, you know, I know it's, can you say the whole thing about the series? No, obviously Kawhi balled out a couple times, but in a Kawhi game was, set- Kawhi was horrible in the fourth quarter. I mean, the guy right. was, and it was like last year for the Raptors, he was unstoppable. Like anytime they needed a bucket, it was incredible. And he, he was horrible. He was horrible in the fourth quarter. Right. He was horrible. And I, and I really do think regardless of what the Clippers do next season, I'm not regardless if they win the NBA finals with the golden state warriors in the mix, then of course, like I, I, this year is erased, but you know, I, it does put a dent, like a, like it does dampen Kawhi's legacy. I really do think it does. Like you cannot, you cannot call him a clutch player for what he did with the Raptors when he wasn't clutch with the Clippers the next year. It does even that out. And I think that hurts him in the long run in terms of his legacy. Honestly, if Giannis Antetokounmpo was leaving Milwaukee, I would fucking sell the house for him right now if I was the Clippers. I mean, I would goodbye PG-13, goodbye all of our six. I would sell the house, let it be Kawhi and Giannis all the way. That would that would give you a chance. But, you know, we'll see. I just need to see PG-13 being the PG-13 we need him to be as well. Because otherwise, it's just Kawhi, you know, with some other players. And, you know, we've seen that he can't perform at that high level all the time. So it you can't do it in the playoffs. I mean, he's, he had can't a couple, he's had a pub, couple of good games. And I remember back in the day when he was with the Pacers, he showed out against the Heat. But since those days, he he can't do it. And I think too with the Clippers, like they they walked around and acted, and it was part of the reason I never liked them with so much entitlement, with so much like we're the best, we're the favorite. Like your guys' franchise hasn't even ever appeared in the conference finals. So why don't you go win something? Like they reminded me of like how the Warriors used to carry themselves, but the Warriors had two or three rings and a 73 win season under their belt. So they had kind of earned it. Like, like Steph and and even Draymond, like as, as you know, much as he loves to shit talk and, and such and such, like they weren't that cocky before they won the title. And then they started winning titles and they got cocky pretty well deserved. The Clippers were like just the cockiest team in the league and hadn't done anything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, as if the heat before they made this run, were like, we're going to win everything. It's like, guys, calm down. Like the heat since LeBron James left, hasn't been anything. Let's like, let's all just take a second, you know? And, and I just think, you know, every, but he wouldn't do that, which is part of the reason they're where they're at. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that, I mean, all the shit talk that happened on Twitter afterwards, I mean, with with players like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum just coming out and and bashing them, you fucking deserve it. That's how bad you played. 
You of course, at the same time, it. I thought like for like Dame Lillard, I'm like, well, Dame, I mean, you you went out in the first round, so I don't, I understand you're upset, but I'm not really sure you're the one that should be doing right shit talking. That's maybe, fair. Maybe leave it like like if Jamal Murray was doing it. I'm like, okay, yeah, that that seems fair. But like, they did get farther than you, so right. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. We'll see what happens next year with the Clippers. I I. Honestly, I wasn't as surprised as I think a lot of people in the media at least acted. But I just thought there was too many expectations for this team this year. And I think they'll be fine. But, you know, those Paul George and Kawhi both are, are on two-year deals. So there's there's nothing that's guaranteed with, with those guys to be playing in, in L.A. for a long time to come. So we'll see what happens next year. Over on the Eastern Conference side of things, the conference finals begun last night. The Heat versus Yonix, Boston Celtics. Truly a back-and-forth game. Just, I mean, one team would take the lead, one team would go on a run and go up by six, and then the other team would go on a run and go up by five. Uh, went all the way to overtime. That's how back-and-forth it was. And then a play happened that stole all the headlines. I mean, you forgot about the other, what, 53 minutes of basketball you just watched. 116-114. The Heat have the lead. Celtics have the ball. Jason Tatum, top of the key, finds some space for drive. As he's elevating to dunk, Bam Adebayo with one of the greatest playoff blocks of all time meets him at the rim and just denies Jason Tatum, sealing the win for Miami. Just an incredible play and and just highlights. I mean, I love that play too because it, it everybody's talking about Bam Adebayo today, and he deserves it because he makes plays like that which make Miami so difficult to play against. Yeah, it, it's true. You know, in a back and forth game, you need to you need a player to make the play that's going to win it. You you know, in the last series when you thought the Raptors might get it done, it was OG Aninobi hitting that three pointer with 0.5 to go. You need those plays to be in it. And not only was Jason Tatum coming up to the rim for a dunk. He was coming unimpeded. Like he was supposed to have the easiest dunk that he's had all game. And Bam at a bio. I mean, who knew that we would see a block better than Kawhi's finger, but we did. Like he not only stood him up, he said, you know how much power you're coming in with your dunk right now? My arm is going to say no. Like it, it was just an esophila object against an immovable force. And it was a, even as a Celtics fan, it was a, a wonder to see. You love seeing plays like that. One of the best blocks in playoff history, for sure. And yeah, Heat have the lead. It's exciting, you know, exciting matchup again. It's going to probably go to seven, you know, just like the Raptors. It reminds me a lot, like I talked about this last time, reminds me a lot of the Raptors game because, and I said, both of these teams like to come out fast, right? So who can come out fast? It was the Celtics who came out fast. And I think to ask the Heat, over and over again to come back from those deficits. We'll see if they can do that. I was I was positive about the Celtics having that early lead. Of course, you're going to have the Heat that always try to fight back against it. But I think the Celtics will win enough games, you know, coming out fast like that, so that you know they they're at least in it till a game seven. You know, but the Heat they got playmakers, right? They do. They had Tyler Hero making big plays. They had Jimmy Butler making big plays. They just had everybody making big plays. Obviously, Celtics Hero's got ice water. Yeah, he's got ice in his veins. That dude wants it to be – 
He wishes every shot was the biggest shot. And I love that so much. Right. Exactly. He does. And it's, it's going to be really hard to play against that many playmakers. I mean, you had Jay Crowder hitting threes from the corner, like he's freaking Ray Allen for no reason at all. I mean, it's going to be really hard. Marcus Smart is hitting threes also like he's like a, a man possessed truthfully. Like, I don't know how they're leaving him open on the threes still. It's ridiculous. And I think Kemba Walker had a bad game, which did not help them. Jalen Brown had a quiet game, which did not help them. So those two players need to step it up. Jason Tatum, though, who has looked kind of weak in some of the other games, came to play. He was unstoppable. He was the reason the Boston Celtics were down it into overtime. And yeah, it's just going to be a fun, who knows? It's just going to be a fun matchup to watch. And whoever comes out of it is going to come out of it with blood all over them. So it's going to be good. Blood all over them. That's that's sweet. That's intense. Yeah, that's I uh, I always love those those blocks too, like with Bams, where like on the slow mo, you literally like see their like hand like going backwards, like the person dunking it is like pushing it down, and then they like just keep the strength and get rid of it. It's it's like, so impressive wrestle? to see. You're like, yeah, you're just like, how are you that strong? I mean, I think too with that, like I think it's one of the great playoff blocks. It'll where it falls in history will determine on how well the Heat do. If the Celtics go and win the next four, I uh, it could get you know kind of forgotten in history a little bit. But if the Heat go on and win like the whole title, like man, remember that block in Game One against in like the Eastern Conference? Like that's all the other thing with like historical moments of like what's the best all time. It all depends on like what the results are in the full thing. Like I mean, LeBron's block on Andre Iguodala I think would probably be talked about less if the Cavaliers don't win that series and win the NBA finals, you know? Yeah. Or that OG Ananobi three with 0.5 left would be the most talked about play of the playoffs. If the Raptors had come yeah. back and beat the Celtics. Yeah, for sure. And now it'll be like, Oh yeah, there was that nice buzzer beater, but it didn't, didn't matter in the end. So who cares? So who cares? <laughs> so who gives a damn? Well, folks, we are moving on over to a little bit of golf. It's a heck of a golf season. As we know, we, Jan talked about this uh, in the recent episode, Dustin Johnson officially wins the FedEx cup. So we have entered a new golf season, which means that we're going to have six different majors this year, two masters, two U S opens. This one, this U S opens near us again, but of course can't go because of certain pandemics happening. Bianca, why don't you give us a little bit of preview of the U.S. Open this week and uh, some of the favorites who you're excited to watch? Yeah, I mean, if you're not into golf, like we've been saying, it's an easy sport to get into. Just watch the last day and, and enjoy these players playing. And this is the time to get into it, the, this new season. And yeah, there's a lot going on in the 120th U.S. Open. You know, there's a lot to preview. Obviously, all the talk is always about Tiger Woods. You know, can he get that next win to put him in the talks? with Jack Nicholas and those other players of like how many times that he's won this U S open. But I mean, you're really looking at a couple favorites for this. And just to preface this for people who don't watch golf, the U S open is always the hardest major to win. It is consistently made kind of as the hardest course, just course wise. It's always the hardest. And the reports coming out of winged foot are basically saying this course is harder than most courses they've ever seen. I mean, the gra- the greens are rough. They are rough. Players are going to fail in this course, and it's going to be interesting to see who can make the cut and who can avoid that failure. But let's talk about let's let's talk less about the course and more about 
kind of the favorites. You know, you have John Rahm playing out of his mind. That's always going to be a good pick. Obviously, you have Dustin Johnson, you know, who won the FedEx Cup playoffs, won PGA best player. He is another favorite. Those two you're going to see down the stretch for sure. Tiger Woods is not going to make the cut. You know, I I really do believe, I'm calling it here, Tiger Woods is not going to make the cut to be in the weekend. He's just played atrociously up until then. You talk, you hear him in interviews and he's already talking like, yeah, I'm older and I'm injured. And that's not what you want to hear from a player who needs to play on the hardest course of his of the year. You know, that's just like not what you want to hear. So I just don't think that he makes the cut. I think he needs to figure out a different way of game planning um, if he wants to win another major in his already legendary career. So let's just put that out of the way. Tiger Woods, I have nothing against him. But you have a lot of other players. You have Phil Mickelson, who's hoping to tap into the fountain of youth over here. You know, he's real good. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he... He's been playing well, not just obviously, he's obviously got his own legacy, but he's been playing well as well. So I think that he could be a problem. Justin Thomas is playing well. Rory McIlroy is always going to be kind of in the mix. You know, Adam Scott is another person that I would kind of watch because he is known for his short game. And that's going to be what Wingfoot kind of makes or breaks you. You know, I think that Adam Scott's going to be someone to watch he's also finished in the top 24 of the last six u.s opens so that's something to look at too uh some players that i think won't be good bryson DeChambeau. you know we've been talking about him all year you know he's he buffed up and he looks good i just don't think that the u.s open is the kind of game that he's gonna win he doesn't have a really good short game and i think that's gonna hurt him just like it'll help adam scott and he just hasn't won the 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 majors in the opens that we have hope and hope that he would since since everything's going going down I think my favorites for this, John Rahm for sure, Dustin Johnson, maybe I put like a Patrick Reed in there, you know, maybe I put a, a an Adam Scott in there, but my dark horse for this has already won a couple tournaments, he looks great, he's young and energetic, it is Colin Morikawa, I really think that this could be Colin Morikawa's coming out party in the majors, I, I'm ready for him to come out, win the US Open, over a good Dustin Johnson, over a good John Rahm, obviously, the hard thing about this, right, with this being the new season, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm have a lot of confidence. And that's what you need at, of course, like US Open. And, you know, they have a little more experience. So I think that'll help them. Wouldn't be surprised if either of them finish in the top five. But I do believe Colin Morikawa is going to is gonna come out and play. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. Another guy that I think is going to do good, Xander Schauffele, also going to be doing really, really well. I just think that he's performed. He's got seven top 10 finishes last season. I just think it's going to be really, really good for him as well. Justin Thomas, I mentioned him earlier. He's another player I have on my bust list here, just because he, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of a player that, that works on, uh, how do I say this? He works on momentum, right? Like he's the kind of player that hits one birdie and hits eight birdies in a row after that. And you're just not going to get that at the US Open. You're going to get holes where you bogey. You're going to get holes where you're hitting for par. And I just think that kind of hurts him more than helps him because he does work so much on that momentum. But yeah, I think I think Phil Mickelson will do better than we think he's going to. You know, he kind of has had so many U.S. Opens where he finished second. Obviously, a lot of famous chokes. I think maybe he comes out and does something here. I'm not saying he'll win it. I think there are too many good golfers in their prime to, for him to win it. But I wouldn't be surprised if he does well. Patrick Cantlay, another guy. Rory McIlroy will disappoint my guess just because of how he's been playing this season. And Hideki Matsuyama, another Asian golfer who I think will do well. But Matt, all the names that I just mentioned, so many good golfers out there. It is anybody's game. And... 
you know, I, I I'm gonna put my hat on Colin Morikawa. I love Colin Morikawa. I think he can. This can be his coming out party for the world that doesn't know him yet. And I want Tiger to show me that I'm wrong. I really do. I want Tiger Woods to come out, make the cut, and compete. But he has not shown that to the state. Every single tournament he goes to, we 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 give him that hope. And I just think, just like Serena Williams, as much as we don't want it to be, I think it's just over. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, as you say, I think the U.S. Open is certainly not not really the the tournament you're expecting a lot from Tiger. From I mean, I think from now it's like, all right, well, let's see how Tiger does in the Masters, and then it'll be fun to watch him in in the the other majors. But yeah, I think it's a, it's an exciting field. There's a lot of really good groups on Thursday: Morikawa, Justin Thomas, and Woods, Rory, Adam Scott, and Justin Rose. You got Bryson DeChambeau with DJ and Tony Finau. Uh, and then, of course, Phil going with Paul Casey and John Rahm. If Phil's got six second-place finishes at the U.S. Open, it's the only major he hasn't won. So, man, I would love right, love to see him finally like get the Grand Slam, get them all. He deserves it. But, it again, as you say, like these, these U.S. Open courses, and especially winged foot, um, they're difficult. Like, and, and like, they're just, they're just tough, tough golf courses. Ooh, Louis Oosthuizen, Keegan Bradley and Zach Johnson. That's another, another good group to watch. I'm, I'm really going with, with DJ. I think he's just on a tear right now that it's not going to matter what kind of course he meets. He's, he's going to go and just golf it. Well, um, I do, I do give John Rahm a really good chance and I would love to see Morikawa get it done. Um, nobody's won their first two majors in the same year since Jordan Spieth did it back in 2015. But of course, Brooks Kepka back in 2018 won the U.S. Open and the PGA uh, Tour Championship. So Colin is uh, not too far history for him trying to to make that happen. But yeah, I'm going. I'm going Dustin Johnson. I just think he's he's just playing as good as golf as anybody right now, and I think that is what's going to matter most when you. When you meet a a course like this one, that's just going to be really challenging for for every golfer out there. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's really hard to vote against Dustin Johnson. You know, the 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 thing with golf is you do ask yourself how long can someone keep a tear up because it is such a hard sport to win consistently with all the good golfers that you have. And uh, yeah, but I'm I'm not voting against him for sure. I think him, John Rahm, and Colin Murakawa will finish in the top five. What order they finish, we shall see but I do see them all kind of finishing in the top five, if not at least the top 10. Yeah. Should be a good one. And hopefully they'll keep on. I mean, that was like six groups I said with just like three great players and all. Hopefully, so hopefully we keep on getting all those great groups throughout the history. Jan or throughout the history, throughout the weekend, pardon me, the history of this weekend. Yannick, we are going back to football. We're okay. Going to fantasy football before we get into it. Uh, of course, we discussed last episode about how you and I were playing. Um, you asked who I thought would win. I said me. You thought it was an egotistical answer. I ended up winning, though. So, boom, right, roasted. That's all I'll say of it. We'll move on to fantasy. But no, I no, did, no, no. You, I you did win. You won't just let you go on with it. Let's all I be very win. clear. Let's all be very clear about something. I I was hurt by James Conner going out in the first quarter with an ankle. Let's let's all be let's all be. I clear had I had this. none of my I had none of my players have anything come up. Yannick was the only fantasy player who's ever had a player get an injury. This is the first time 
in a fantasy did you have game. A player in, did you have a player injured this game? Did I win or did I win? Did you have a player injured this game? I don't think I'm so. Just, all, I know is, all I know is I won. Okay. Well, it was it was a close one, regardless. Even with even with Saquon and, and James Conner doing a, it was excuses, a good game for sure. Excuses, I just said it was it was a good win, Matthew. I'm giving <laughs> you I'm giving you compliments, and you're shutting them down, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> just wanted to be established that I was the victor right. again in the season over. Okay, but Yannick, seriously though, week one, who were some of the best players you saw that you think are also just going to keep on tearing it up, like? They, they dropped 20, 30 points and aren't going to stop doing that all year. Right. Well, I'm going to – I decided I'm going to move past the obvious ones. So if you want to talk about these, they're fine. The obvious ones being the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams. Those I, – I knew that they were going to tear it out regardless. So those I'm going to move past. I'm going to go to some guys that I wasn't so sure about. DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. How is DeAndre Hopkins going to do? How is Kyler Murray going to emerge? Great was the answer for both of those. Kyler Murray went 26 for 40 with a touchdown throw, 91s on the ground with another touchdown run in. Hopkins, 14 catches, 151 yards. Unbelievable. The Texans let him go once again. I mean, for me, they are the new Drew Brees and Michael Thomas for this season, even especially since Kyler Murray is that shorter quarterback. Obviously, you have the added dimension of how well he runs, which makes it even worse. Remember, they scored all of these playing against a tough 49ers defense and I don't think the 49ers defense played too badly I mean they definitely underperformed but not too much so they did that it's scary for the NFC I think those are two players fantasy wise that you can really rely on going down the stretch my other one Josh Jacobs I mean we knew that he was going to have a coming out party this year you know he'd already done a lot last season 93 rushing touch yards and three touchdowns four receptions for 46 yards he has become an every down back that we knew he could he is your RB1 going down the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, ends up as the top rusher in the league in terms of rushing touchdowns. That's definitely something that I could see, think he can do. Calvin Ridley was another one. I liked Calvin Ridley. He was a top five receiver from weeks 11 to 14 in the clutch time of fantasy last year. And he flashed potential behind, uh, beside Julio Jones, especially with Julio getting double covered. Calvin Ridley's open a lot. And yes, we've talked about it was in garbage time, yada, yada, yada. But Matt Ryan throws around regardless. And the Falcons are always behind because their defense sucks. So Matt Ryan delivers. And in terms of fantasy, that's good for Calvin Ridley. He had nine of 12 targets caught for 130 yards and two touchdowns. I think he is a firm wide receiver too. And he's got a nice floor considering once again, how bad the Falcons defense can be all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I um, agree with you on, on basically all those guys. I, I certainly highlighted Kyler Murray. I thought he, he crushed it. I thought they choosing a good, they're choosing good times for him to run. Um, which just makes him more dynamic, which I think is going to open up the passing game more. I think that's what's w- what we're going to see a lot more with Lamar Jackson this year is is people trying to stop him from running will help make the passing game easier on him. And I think we're going to start seeing that with Kyler Murray. Um, and I think they're still going to get him to run. You know, they're going to get him to run when they want him to run. Otherwise, you want to protect a guy like that. But great first week against, as you said, a very, very good defense. So I think the future is bright for Kyler Murray as, as at least a fantasy player this year. But I think the Cardinals in general are, are heading in the right direction. I had to give a little love to McCaffrey just because so many times and you're the top pick, you don't show out as the top pick should. And I think he had like the second or third most points for a running back. Just picked it up where he, where he left off last year. Also wanted to give some love to Josh Jacobs. The guy was an absolute monster. 
I was, I'm a huge fan of Josh Jacobs. I remember last year I was playing somebody who had Josh Jacobs and the Raiders were playing the Packers and Josh Jacobs was just torching the Packers and torching me. And since then I've been big, big on, on Mr. Josh Jacobs and he crushed it for, for Vegas. And I think they, they could have a, a decent little offense and there's not like there's a lot of guy. I mean, you got Darren Waller, but and Henry Ruggs might already be your, your best receiver. So I think Josh Jacobs is going to get a lot of touches. Devontae Adams, you mentioned him. I think most people thought Michael Thomas was going to be the top wide receiver this year for good reason. And even if Michael Thomas didn't have a bad game week one, and even if Michael Thomas wasn't injured, I would still say Devontae Adams is going to be the top receiver this year, maybe even a top three or five point score in general. I just think he's going to be instrumental for this Packers offense. And if Rodgers is playing as hot as he was last weekend, it could be a real, real, real big year for Devontae. Of course, Minnesota's cornerbacks got some things to figure out, so that helped. But regardless, I, I think Rodgers and, and Devontae are going to have a big partnership. And Noah Font didn't have a massive game for Denver, but I think he's going to have a really, really big year in, in that Denver passing offense. As far as disappointments, I'll start first. Michael Thomas still was a disappointment. You mentioned Mike Evans with the injury, but then why are you playing Mike Evans, Keenan Allen? All three of those guys are should be top five, top ten receivers and combined for about 15 points on your average fantasy league. So none of them showed up when you really need to, especially uh, Keenan Allen. What are you doing? Like yeah. Mike Williams is coming back off an injury. You need to be there for your guy, Tyrod Taylor. Just absolutely nothing from Keenan Allen. You mentioned earlier Kareem Hunt out rushing. Nick Chubb, I think Chubb's it's Chubb's you know job to lose, but he certainly didn't help himself much. Both him and Joe Mixon, the Ohio running backs, both got around five points in most fantasy leagues. You know, those are guys that were going second round, sometimes even first round. So for them to to drop eggs like that, I it's not not a good sign. Um, especially because I think the Bengals and, and Joe Burrow are going to need Mixon to help them out a little bit. Drew Brees, you know, I'm, we mentioned again that 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 Saints offense not really, you know, performing like like you would expect it to, um, and and it just it, you know they didn't get that win because Drew Brees was throwing the ball around and racking up the yards. Um, all these players, I think, can still turn around. I don't think. I mean, I don't really expect a massive year from Brees, but. Chubb, Mixon, Allen, Evans. I think they all can still have really, really good years, but very disappointing week ones out of all those players. Who did who did who disappointed you this first week of NFL action, Jan? Right. And I went with disappointments that I think are are actually ones that are going to continue. So when I say there were a lot of disappointments, like always in fantasy, but here are the ones Saquon Barkley, for example. Offensive line is a little scary. You know, but I think in the reception game, he still made up for it. I, I, I won't be worried about him just yet. But I mentioned one you mentioned already, Nick Chubb. You know, he had uh, 5.1 points, was the RB50 in the league. I just, I, I'm not saying that he's lost the job already, for sure. But he kind of made it so that the Browns have to decide, in order for Nick Chubb to be our bell cow, we need to play Kareem Hunt less. And why would you play Kareem Hunt less? Like, he's already this good running back. It worries me for the future of his. I think it's going to be a one-two situation. I think it's going to not be the kind of bell cow that you need Nick Chubb to be on an already 
questionable Browns offense. So I'm a little worried about him for anybody that had him as your RB1. Kenyon Drake, another one. You know, the cards are throwing. We've seen the cards are going to be throwing a lot. So they're not going to be running as much as we would hope they would for a running back like Kenyon Drake. And I also believe that, um, you know, I just think Kyler Murray's running more, right? So Kyler Murray is running more and and that's already 91 yards that Kenyon Drake doesn't get. You know, I don't think he's going to be the RB2 that people want him to be. I don't think he's going to do poorly. You know, I definitely think he'll still be a good flex. I just don't think he's going to get the opportunities to be as good as we want him to be, especially with them throwing more with Chase Edmonds behind him and with Kyler Murray being a mobile quarterback, taking a lot of those runs. And my last disappointment, not that we didn't expect it, but it's more from what I saw than the points, right? Rob Gronkowski, we knew he wasn't going to be the stud that he's he he used to be. We all knew that. He's not going to be the stud that he used to be. You know, you got too many weapons in there. But it's not really that he didn't pick up points. It's that, Matt, he looked like a veteran in a charity game out there. I mean, he, he said, I'm coming back. And people said, see, he didn't retire because he can't play. He retired because him and Belichick couldn't get No, he retired because he's done. He is gassed. He is done. He should have stayed in retirement. And he looked like that out there. He looked like somebody who was getting a last play on his very last game. And I don't know how you can trust like that. You know, and I wouldn't start him at tight end ever. There's too many players on that, especially a tight end like OJ Howard, to want to trust him at any point. If he gets a touchdown, great. That's one touchdown. You're going to rely on seven points every. That doesn't make any sense to me. And if you wasted a mid round pick on him, yikes, 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 yikes. And I, I was know, so happy when people drafted Gronk. I was like, please take him. Please take him. Take and his old broken ass. Else. I Absolutely. love him. I love Gronk, but. He looked like he didn't know how to, he looked like his brain wasn't sending signals to his legs fast enough. I mean, it looked like somebody who was past his prime and he is not past his prime, past his playing career. And I just think, you know, don't start him ever. I don't care if he goes two straight weeks with a touchdown, he's going to kick you in the butt when you most need it. Stay away from Rob Gronkowski. OJ Howard's going to get more points for you. Yeah. And there's a guy on the Buccaneers tied in position who will be better than than Gronkwell. Also, how about, I mean, Kittle got injured, but Kittle was the third highest scoring Iowa tight end this weekend. Both Font and Hawkinson got in the end zone. Tight end university. Tight Tight end end university. Yeah, between talking about Hawkinson, talking about Noah Font, talking about, let's talk about the other night on Monday football, I watched Josie Jewell and OJ Moodya making plays back to back to back. Yeah. We're talking. OJ Moodya played well. I don't know if you guys know this, but the NFL is just Hawkeye land. I want you all to know that. The <laughs> NFL is just Hawkeye land. We have we have like 28 players, which I think is it's like close I think it's like close to 10th most. Hey, I think I'll we're in the top it. 10. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I'll take it. Absolutely. I mean like the teams in front of us are like Alabama, LSU, that like yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh yeah, I mean I'm not worried about Saquon. He still ended up getting like a decent amount of points for a game where he had like 15 yards, which I think is like Enough to show, like, I, mean, I think he had 15 yards rushing and in our league still got 12 points. Yeah, so he had six yards rushing. When you're a guy like that and you're still able to produce some points, I think you're going to be okay and you're not going to be playing the Steelers defense every weekend. Um, 
Calvin Ridley, I mean, I think this is probably like unfair just for Calvin Ridley, but like I don't he just had such a monster week that this week that I don't see him being like I would still feel safer with a Julio Jones. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But um it's more, yeah. I mean, I don't think Calvin Ridley's gonna do poorly is just like as much as I don't think he's gonna be hitting what he hit this week. But yeah. yeah. I forgot to give myself a pat on the back. Um, I can't give myself too much of a pat on the back because I didn't pick either of these teams, but I did at both both my dark horses, Nuggets in the Heat, are in the conference finals. So, but it's only like a half back pat because I didn't choose either of them to actually go it go to it in my own bracket. Hey, you know what? I we we take all the half back pats here. We really Absolutely. do. We take them all. We take them all. Like a half sack, a half tackle. Right. All right, guys, that is most of the extent of our sports talk. Of course, Yannick still has to uh, go in the hot seat in a little bit. We're going to move on down to the cool down section. This is like the smooth R&B should like fade in or fade out. I, I don't know. All right, Jan, I know there are sports, sports and more sports on right now, but what should the people be binge watching in between all of this sports action? So two things. Number one, I forgot to say, just be, I'm going to add it in really quickly for the fantasy portion. Uh, Cam Akers is somebody else I wanted to talk about super quick. You know, he only got 39 yards. Malcolm Brown's really good. Obviously, he's the running Rams running back number one. But you knew that Cam Akers was never going to be the starter from the get-go. And he still got 14 rushes. So despite Malcolm Brown doing well, I think Akers has the talents to take over that job. I think he's a good bounce-back candidate for us the week. All right, rest of the year. All right, now I'll tell you. And I don't mean to pick like a sports show, and it's really not a sports show, but it does have to do with sports. You can't do me to see the, you guys can't see me doing the air quotes around this. But I'm gonna say go to Netflix and watch Cobra Kai. It is the sequel TV Sick. series to the Karate Kid franchise. And Matt, Karate Kid's my favorite movie. In case everyone uh, doesn't know that, Karate Kid is my favorite movie, the original, not I the had two no or idea. three. Yeah, Karate Kid is my favorite movie. I want it to be Ralph Macchio. Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually really freaking good, both for fans like me and critics. It's got a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got two seasons on Netflix with a third on its way in 2021. It is really good. It all revolves around, obviously, in the first season, um, you had the Karate Kid going against uh, the kind of... uh, antagonist blonde uh karate guy who you who worked for the dojo that was mean and evil and it this is kind of like many years later that same mean evil guy opens up the dojo to help teach this kid you know how to defend himself and ralph macchio's like nah man you're trying to open up the evil dojo again but now ralph macchio's super successful businessman basically and so it's like their whole heated rivalry comes back up, but they're both like 40. And it's it's really it's supposed to be really, you know, good for the second season. I've only watched the first, but I like it so far. I'm excited. Cobra Kai on Netflix. I've heard I've heard lots of good things about Cobra Kai. I remember when I watched I watched the trailer recently and like I could just tell like it just looked funny and like had still a lot of the same like just spirit in the same vein as like karate kid, but then also like didn't take itself too seriously. Like I, I think it's a, I think it's a very creative idea of like how to make a spinoff too, like of, of having to be like, well, what if the villain from the movie, you know, 20, 30 years ago is more our central character. So 
Yeah, and, and his like check actually out. good because it, I, you know is actually like trying to do the right thing for once. Like he, you know, he became this bum basically after that. And now he's actually trying to help people defend himself. It's almost like you have the Johnny Lawrences becoming the Mr. Miyagi's as he's trying to teach the next generation. It's so weird, but I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so sad that he lost a karate fight as a kid, and then. That was all he, his self-worth was wrapped up. What a, what a crappy family. That's, that's what happens when you're a bully. All of it rides on yeah. your reputation. And once you Yikes. lose that, you're nobody. Let, let that be a lesson to all of you that still are bullies. And if you're an 80s movie bully, you're screwed. You never win. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, keeping, it, I'm keeping it on Netflix as well. This is a, a show that's been out actually for a few years. Um, three seasons now. Ozark. If you haven't watched Ozark, please do it. It's got a wild cast of characters, some more believable than others. But in a crime show, I think it's always better to have some larger than life people out there. Really beautifully shot show. There's this kind of hilarious dichotomy that's very unspoken of this family life and criminal life as it centers around Marty and Wendy Bird and their family as they uh, kind of deal with being money launders for a uh, unnamed well there's a name in in the show but a, a mexican cartel and also tremendous performances by jason bateman and, and laura lenny as as marty and wendy bird and then my favorite particularly julia garner plays ruth langmore who's kind of one of the the people from the town that ends up helping jason bateman but if you haven't watched ozark definitely do it i know a lot of people are like well it's like breaking bad or i don't really see that connection besides the fact that it's like a crime show but if you like crime shows, watch it. If you don't, I think you should still watch it because there's a lot more going on to it. But Ozark, and you can watch three seasons, which always helps, you know, especially in a show like that. You can, you can binge it all. So check out Ozark. Check out Cobra Kai in between the millions of sporting events that are going on. Yannick, do you have a historical fact, sports or otherwise, for us today? I do. And it's kind of sports and history mashed together. Since it's Hispanic Heritage Month and I am a Hispanic American, I thought I would go with some Hispanic history. And today, on this very day, back in 1957, the LA City Council made the infamous decision to approve a 300-acre site in Chavez Ravine for the Brooklyn Dodgers to play in as the Los Angeles Dodgers. And why this is important was because from 1951 to 1961, you had the Zoot Suit Riot going on, and you had Hispanic Americans, particularly Mexican Americans, being displaced from their home. Now, they were being displaced because of what they were told was public housing by the city, and instead, they basically used homes that they had kicked Mexican-Americans out of because they said it's our land as a way of enticing the Brooklyn Dodgers to come over to L.A. It is a black spot in L.A.'s history, and this was the day that they approved that 300-acre site for the Brooklyn Dodgers to play in in 1957. It was called, that 10-year period was called the Battle of Chavez Ravine. It's a really dark time for Mexican-Americans in their history. They were basically displaced from their home and told, you don't even belong here, so we're going to take your land without you asking in the 50s you know this was not like when america was being discovered so that's my historical fact of the day boom there you go mine is um i guess a little new york centric to, uh, on this day the metropolitan opera opened in 1966 at the lincoln center opened with leontine price performing in the title role of antony and cleopatra 
Miss Price is the first African-American to become a, a lead performer at the Metropolitan Opera, one of the all-time great American opera singers. Um, I actually got to go to a, an opera there once when I was, it was before I moved here. I came here with my mom and my sister. My sister studied vocal performance, so she's a, a big opera fan. And we got to go, go see Carmen there. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place to, to see a show. So if you ever want to go see some opera, Go on over to Lincoln Center. And they even had the little, like, on your seat, they have the, what's it called? You know, because they sing in, like, French and Italian and Spanish. Translation. They got the words, yeah, there we go, translate. They have the translation just right in front of your seat so you can keep on knowing what's going on because otherwise I'd be sitting there and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. So it's a cool place. All right, Yannick, it's your favorite time. It's no. quick fire questions time. Ah. Turn up the heat, baby. Flame graphic comes up. All righty. First question. Who gets the number one pick in the NFL draft next year? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to go... Just because I don't trust their players, nor do I trust their coaching staff. Like br- the Browns, obviously, it's it was the debut of their whole coaching situation. So I think they'll figure it out. And the Dolphins eventually will bring Tua in. And they don't need to tank because they have Tua already. I'm going to go welcome Trevor Lawrence to the New York Jets. That's right. Sam Darnold's going to be given up after the season. There's just going to have a terrible seed, and Adam Gase is going to drive this franchise into the ground, and they're going to get the number one pick. I think you're right. Yeah. I think I think you're right. I think I think it's going to be New York, which I'd love. I'd love to see Trevor Lawrence come to New York. Right, and Sam Darnold, it's okay. Why not saying that you're not a starting quarterback? You are totally – you've got it. Like, you have some work to do still, but you are better than other quarterbacks in this league. So you can go somewhere, be a backup for a hot sec, and then get another starting job away from that god-awful organization. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think Darnold's struggles are far more – have to do with, with the organization and team he's been with than than his lack of, of ability. I mean, because he had some holes that he had to figure out when he was coming into the league, and you're not around the right coaching staff and stuff. You're not going to be able to – to fix said holes. So I, I think he's still young enough and talent and has enough talent to, to figure it out somewhere else. I think, I think, you know, it's more so even too, just like Trevor Lawrence has been talked about as the top pick since he was a high school senior. And even the guy's six, six runs like crazy, makes good decisions, has a cannon of an art. Like, I mean, you just don't see guys like him come out of college every, every year. So you got, you have to take him. All right. Next yeah. one. In three years' time, will Giannis Antetokounmpo still be playing in Milwaukee? Oh, God. You just hit me with all the hardest questions in the sports world right yeah, now. Yeah, but it's it's quick-fire questions on the hot seat. This isn't oh, – this ain't Girl Scout Camp. Name that movie. I I don't know that movie. What movie Holes. is that? Holes. Oh, okay. Um, I think – I, mm, I, I, here's where I'm, I'm going to talk to you through my process and then I'll pick a, pick an answer. I, I, I want to say no, that's where my gut lies because I just think that there's too, I don't know who they pair with, with like, they don't have enough to trade for the player that I think Giannis needs to win a championship or at least contest the finals. 
you know, like I, I just don't see, they don't have enough trade bait for that. You know, Chris Middleton isn't somebody that you can trade away and be like, Oh, give me another great player. You know, they don't have enough stars to do that. So I think he's going to be playing with more or less the same team plus or minus, you know, like a, another star. So my gut says, no, Giannis does seem like, you know, he idolizes Kobe. He does kind of be one, want to be one of those one team players. Here's what I'll say. It's a lot easier to be a one team player when you're dra- when you're going to be a one team player with the Lakers. Right, that's what I'll say. I'm going to say, you know, Giannis Giannis's own personal beliefs make me pause on this, but I do think that the Bucks just don't have enough to get the player that he needs. And they said they're willing to pay into the luxury tax fine, but like like I said, you would need and people have been saying this, you would need like a Kawhi Leonard to put with with Giannis in order to contest the finals because that's how hard the NBA is to play in right now. So, I think that you know, in three years, he'll be playing somewhere else. I agree. I think, I think there are some point guard options for them to get, because I think a a scoring point guard to replace a guy like Eric Bledsoe would be a huge benefit to this. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I can't think, well, I mean, you can trade away a million little pieces for another point guard. I I don't, I mean, I don't think they're going to get like a, a Russell Westbrook, or I don't even I don't I'm not even sure you can get Chris Paul, but if, you know maybe you do get a guy like like Dennis Schroeder, um, you know someone who's not top of the line point guard, but they need someone who's better at point guard. And they need somebody who can score a point guard, especially with with how Giannis is used on the offensive side of the ball. All right, Let's get all the Atenecampos, let them play on a team together, and that's how you win. That'd be awesome. There's. <laughs> <laughs> So there seems to be a new Antetokounmpo in the NBA each year. Like, oh, yeah, Giannis's other brother just got picked up. Yeah, you guys are all out. just trying to get Giannis to come to your team. It's like, Let's sign his brother and maybe he'll come. <laughs> all right, final quick fire question. I think I actually – I know what your answer is going to be. I don't even know why I'm asking this stuff. Right now, who is the favorite to win the Euros next summer? That's hard. No, I don't know the answer to this question. You're wrong. Uh, well, nobody knows. You think, you think I'm going to say Germany, but I don't. I don't know. I was. I was at first, and then I thought about it a little more. I'm like, well, you know, he might. Germany. Germany is definitely in the running. I mean, I didn't ask who's in the running. Right. You said who's going to win. I get it. I get it. I get it. Here's what I'll say. I think it's still. I think it's still France's to lose I, I i i'm not saying that france is going to win it all but if you it gun to my head i'm gonna say well, france still. The question is well you know what gun to my head then i say france i just think they they still have too many you know they still have mbappe they still have griezmann who plays much better for the national team they are they do have that champion status i think germany will contest them it'll be seen if they can get their defense together enough to hold off of mbappe you know zula's playing much better neuer is playing back at the te- top of his game but I don't think they're. I don't think they're the favorites to win. I don't think if if I have to say who's the favorite, then I think it's. I'm I'm still gonna say France. I think they have far too much talent, even young talent still coming up. You know, still. So I'm gonna say France. I like it. I mean, it's it's tough to pick them, or tough tough to pick against them, especially when they just won the World Cup, right? Years, and especially two years ago, and like a team that's not not old by any means. Like I, mean, right. I think think. For the first time in a while, I think the the defending 
Like I, I mean, Germany was still certainly a favorite in Russia, but I don't think anyone was like, okay, they are like the favorite. I mean, I, I think in Qatar, I, I, I would be surprised if France isn't the clear favorite to repeat. Right. I mean, it's like it kind of feels like when Spain was off of their World Cup, uh, Euro World Cup, Euro triple header. You know, it, it does still feel like that they, they that they are the favorite to win. You know, I and like you look. You know, famously, the Euros has always been contested by the teams that are in the Champions League, you know, later rounds. And who are the teams? You have German teams and you have French teams, right? So that's why I kind of consider it's not always a a perfect, you know, one-to-one match of of the players playing against each other. But you have the Mbappes, you have the Lyon young French players, you have Bayern, who's made of a lot of German players, and Leipzig, who has those young German players as well. So I think that's kind of where it stands. France, Germany are going to be the top two, but I give it to France. I'm going. I'm going Belgium. I think they. I think they're still. They're older guys. I think they're still <sighs> young enough to get it done. I think the Euro. I think there's less pressure on them in this Euro tournament than there was in that World Cup, and I think that will help them get by. And you still got a guy like De Bruyne and Courtois between the sticks. So I'm saying Belgium, but. We'll just have to wait and see and hopefully somehow get there in Europe because that would be – that's the dream. All right, guys, thank you so much for, for joining us. We appreciate you always taking a listen to the Two Beers, Please podcast. Please stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Hug your mother. Hold the door for a stranger. Register to vote. And as always, go follow all the Twitter and Instagram pages. Keep on listening. Yannick, you got anything else for the lovely people? Yeah, two things. Number one, I want to give a shout out to some more history that was made in NFL Week One. Top, there was ten black quarterbacks that started in Week One, which is unlike anything we've seen before. It's really great for the sport, especially at that position. You know, it's just that's what you want to see. You know, they're getting more of their recognition in that position. Really great. Number two, remember to listen to our September episodes, especially because of our donation initiative for Black Lives Matter. So the more listens the September episodes get, extra dollar for Black Lives Matter charity. We already got a good amount needed to shell over, and we're just going to keep raising money here. So listen for a good cause and for some good times. Thank you guys so much again. We really appreciate it. We'll be back on Saturday. We'll have NFL picks. We'll talk a little bit of college football and uh, everything else that's going on. We should have, we could possibly have our, our Stanley Cup final set. And of course, the Eastern and Western Conference finals will keep on progressing in the NBA. Thanks so much, everybody. Cheers, y'all. Yeah, cheers, cheers, cheers.